Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks are taking on the New York teams in back-to-back weeks at home. They're coming off their first home loss and their fourth loss of the season. And they're going up against a New York Jets team coming off their 12th loss of the season. Joining me to talk about it is McGregor Wells from Gangrene Nation, the Jets community on SB Nation. Welcome back to the show, McGregor. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Happy to have you back. Last time, you and I were talking about the Jamal Adams trade, and now this is going to be his first opportunity to go up against his former coach, who, you know, he hasn't held back the fact that he has taken issue with being coached under Adam Gase. And not only that, now he has a chance to break the NFL sack record by a defensive back going up against his former team. So I have to think Jamal Adams wanting to make some kind of statement in this game. It has to be in the mind of Adam Gase. Yeah, probably, uh, and as well as the rest of the Jets. It didn't end well here with him, uh, with Adams in New York. Um, and we could talk about who's to blame and who's not, but bottom line is both parties seem to be pretty unhappy with the other party when Adams left. So I think both parties would love to make the other party look bad. Um, but considering the Jets are winless this season, I think Adams has the better chance of doing that. They are winless, but you were so close, McGregor, to, to seeing the first Jets win last week. They had the lead with 12, 13 seconds left to go. I know it was in the in the low teens. The last play by the Raiders of the game, they get a touchdown, throwing it to Henry Ruggs on your undrafted cornerback, Lamar Jackson. I just have to imagine, you know, not only are Jets fans a little bit frustrated with that loss, or, or maybe not. I don't know. I, how do Jets fans feel after this last game? I think the majority of them were um, actually cheering on as the Jets blew it in an unimaginable fashion because it meant we're that one step closer to drafting Trevor Lawrence in uh, next April. Uh, but uh, I personally am, am too emotionally involved in the team to ever want to see that kind of, I mean, it, that was probably the dumbest play call I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of dumb play calls being a Jets fan, but putting your undrafted slow footed rookie cornerback on the, one of the fastest men in the game on an island, no back protection, um, you know, <laughs> and an all-out blitz on that situation. It, it, it's the only way you could lose the game. And, of course, that's the, that's the choice the Jets made. It's just it's mind-boggling when you're a Jets fan to see these things happen to you. So I, I guess a question that some Jets fans have to be asking is, why fire Greg Williams then when he essentially kept the Jets in the running for the first overall pick? Right. I, the the fa- tanking his fan is something fans love to talk about, but teams never do this. Greg Williams didn't want to blow that game. As much as some people speculate he is in on the tank, that's a lot of nonsense. These players, these coaches, their livelihoods depend on it. If they're not playing for their job with the Jets next season, they're playing and coaching for a job with another team next season. And nobody wants to see that on their resume. So no, he wasn't trying to tank that. He just made a really stupid call. Um, And uh, the Jets, as an organization, are not trying to lose every game the rest of the season. And then they don't want their coaches to try to lose. The, 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 the fans want to see that. The, the team doesn't want to see that. Right. And I, I suppose just organizationally, though, there has to be some thought of going into next year and the idea of you know Trevor Lawrence being kind of the big name. But whether or not it's one particular quarterback, just having the first overall pick, 
it's going to give you the, the choice of, of what you might want to do. And I guess I'm getting the sense from Jets fans just based off of the season that maybe they're ready to move on from Sam Darnold. Is that the case? Yeah, I would say more than 90% of Jets fans are ready to move on from Sam Darnold. It's just, it, I think this season has been a tremendous disappointment in that he, for his first two seasons, he was certainly not a good quarterback, but there were flashes and you would see when, by the time the season ended, he wasn't, he wasn't off, the, off the wall terrible. Um, this year, there's just really nothing to redeem his performances. He's been, I mean, he's been, had a terrible situation around him, whereas all his receivers in the beginning of the year, they were all, all injured. I mean, we're, we're starting, you know, guys off the street, guys from the practice squad. Those were our starting receivers for the first few games of the season. So it's kind of hard to succeed in that environment, but he has really taken, taken a step back and he just doesn't seem to be seeing the field well anymore. He's not reading defenses. He's, he seems to be uh, his uh, happy feet where he's just bailing out of the pocket way too soon. He's regressed in so many areas that you just feel like he's just not going to make it here. Maybe he can salvage his career someone else, but I just don't think he's, he's going to make it with the Jets. So with receivers being an issue, it looks like Denzel Mims may sit out this game with a personal issue too. What's going on with him? Yeah, that I, nobody exactly knows. It's a family issue. Uh, who knows? Maybe somebody in his family. I'm just speculating here. I have no information about this, but maybe it's something like his a family, a close family member has has, has a COVID, and then maybe they're maybe they're in the hospital. I don't know. That's pure speculation. I don't want to put that out there as anything any kind of information. This is pure speculation. But there seems to be some kind of family issue he has to take care of, and he's going to be away, and he's going to break the COVID protocol, so he's not going to be available for the game, oh. and that's going to really hurt. That's going to hurt the Jets because. He has been a revelation. He's been terrific. Um, and he's without him, the, the Jets passing offense looks completely different. So missing him will be a huge factor for the Jets in this game. Yeah, 324 yards on the season, uh, just 19 catches. So leading the team in yards per reception. Who, who are some of the other receivers that who are going to be looking to fill in behind him now with him potentially being out? Well, you know, Jamison Crowder in the slot, and Brashad Perriman on the outside. And then I guess uh, maybe Jeff Smith or maybe... Um, uh, Vincent Smith on the other outside receiver position. It's not clear which one of those is above the other one, but either one is just not really, you know, NFL starting material. They're barely NFL backup material. It's a huge drop off from Mims to either one of those guys. So, and, you know, Mims just transformed the offense. He he, he was a go-to guy immediately. He, I mean, it doesn't look from his statistics. It's not, it's not overwhelmingly great statistics, but that's largely a product of how bad Sam Darnold has been. Um, Mims has been, has been leading the Jets as a receiver ever since he got back into the lineup. He was hurt for the first seven games of the year. And um, you know, he, he's just been transformative for this offense. The offense suddenly looks competent, whereas before he came around, I mean, it was just atrocious offense. So whoever starts, whether it's Jeff Smith or, or, or Vincent Smith on the other side, is, is nothing close to Mims. And I think it's going to really change the way this game plays out. Well, the Jets have been having some success, at least uh, last week, against a Raiders defense. It was a Raiders defense that gave up a ton of points to the Falcons the week before. Everybody, I think, was thinking that it would be the Raiders' opportunity to to get right after that game. And now I'm a little bit worried as a Seahawks fan, McGregor, because you know everybody's saying, well, this is the Seahawks' get-right game after Russell Wilson had a terrible game against the Giants. But if the Seahawks' offense continues to struggle... I mean, the, the Seahawks defense has improved over the last few weeks. I, I was looking just at the statistics just in the last three weeks. And whereas, you know, the Jets and Seahawks had kind of been compared defensively throughout uh, the early part of the season because Seattle was on this historic run of could they give up more yards than any team ever. But over the last three games, it's the, the Giants that have continued to struggle on defense. And it's been the Seahawks who are, I think, number five in the league in yards given up just over the last three weeks. 
Yeah, the Seahawks defense seems to be getting right at the right time towards the end of the year when we're talking about playoffs. So that's a great thing for the Seahawks. I think you have nothing to worry about as far as this is going to be a problem game for, for, for the Seahawks against the Jets. So. I don't know. That's what that's what the Giants guy told me with Colt McCoy starting last week, McGregor. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, you know, Russell Wilson is not. Derek Carr. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson is a future Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Derek Carr is a mediocre quarterback who probably won't have a job in a couple of years. Um, Russell uh, Russell Wilson against the Jets. The Jets' worst positions, maybe on the team, but definitely on the defense, are cornerback and edge rusher. The, the Jets have nothing on either of those positions, absolutely nothing. And th- those are the positions that matter in a passing game. Russell Wilson with Tyler Lockett and Metcalf. Those two players are going to destroy the Jets' cornerbacks. The Jets don't have anybody to cover those guys. Um, it's it's going to be a nightmare. Believe me, this is going to be a blowout, and the and and the and Russell Wilson is going to write his game against this Jets defense. Well, Seahawks fans feel like we're we're due for a blowout, and I just yeah, that was one of my big questions for you is is because DK Metcalf has been having a really special season. We've seen him go up against corners that and have varying success, I guess against top level corners in the NFL. You know, he struggled against Patrick Peterson. He had an okay outing, I think, against Bradbury, where each of them kind of won different types of matchups. And Tredavious White, kind of similar, you know. And so going up against the Jets, though, it it sounds like really there's, they may not have an answer. Yeah, there's nothing there. I mean, really nothing there. The, the, the Jets' cornerbacks are atrocious. The, the, there's one guy, Bryce Hall, who they drafted in the fifth, tra- fifth round this oh, yeah. year. Who has done a nice job in zone defense? So he's, you know, he's not terrible. Um, everybody else in that field, for the, for the Jets' perspective, at cornerback is just there's just no way they can possibly match up against Ockett and Metcalf. It's just a it's a complete mismatch. And when you have Russell Wilson throwing the ball, Jesus, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, which you know, it's one of these things where it's at, in any given Sunday you just never know. And maybe it's, this is the one game of the year where Russell Wilson throws five interceptions because he's got the flu or something. Um, but I mean. On a on a rational basis, I just don't see any way that the Jets defense can match up with this offense. It's a it's a bad matchup for the Jets, where you have great receivers and a great quarterback. That's just a terrible matchup for the Jets. If you're talking about a running game, like if, you, if Seattle wants to run the ball 40 times a game, the Jets will be in this game because the Jets run defense is excellent. But if you're going to throw the ball, forget it. It's over. Well, and that is a little bit you know part of my concern with kind of the way that Russell had had struggled uh, the last couple weeks. I am a little bit concerned that they may just try and run the ball right into the strength, that middle part of the Jets defensive line. And, and that could go poorly, I think, for Seattle if if they decide to completely go away from some of the things that they've been doing to this point in the season. That would be a mistake. And I know that's Pete Carroll's. That's what he likes to do. He wants to run the ball as much as possible. And against most teams, that's fine. Don't do this against the Jets. It's a huge mistake. It's the only thing on the Jets that they're good at. Really, in the entire game of football, there's one thing the Jets are good at. That's shutting down a run game. Everything else they stink at. That they can do. So don't don't try to run the ball. It's a mistake. <laughs> don't do the one thing, Pete, if you're right. listening. <laughs> Let's come back, McGregor. Take a quick break. And I want to talk more about Jamal Adams and uh, get your thoughts on a former Seahawk. We'll do that coming up next. Talking to McGregor Wells from Gang Green Nation, looking ahead to Sunday's matchup between the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. And we have a battle of guys who were formerly on each team. You know, this could be the George Fant revenge game for the Jets. This could be the Brandon Shell revenge game for the Seahawks or the Jamal Adams revenge game. And 
I'm curious. I know we talked a little bit about Adams and, you know, maybe having a little bit something for uh, Adam Gase and the offense for the Jets. But I'm curious how you're feeling about this particular trade now that we're 12 weeks into the season. Has it made a noticeable impact not having him out there for the Jets? Yes. I mean, Jamal Adams is, a, is an all pro. Of course. Yeah, it's made a difference. He rushes the passer better than any safety in the league. And, you know, I don't know. I think he's been struggling in pass defense with the Seahawks. I'm yeah, not entirely he, sure. he had a hard time against Edelman. Uh, he gave up a big one against uh, Diggs in the Buffalo game. But overall, I, I think he's been he's been OK. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't had any picks, but I don't think that that's unusual for when you look back at his career. He hasn't had a lot of passes defense this year, but he's done what he's done throughout his career with the Jets. And that's get after the quarterback. Right. And and the Jets missed that. The Jets have nothing on the edge whatsoever. There's nothing. And so for, for, for Adams, if he was over here and he was, you know, given us six sacks or seven sacks, whatever, that would make a big difference in the Jets defense. So, yeah, absolutely. It makes a difference. Um, you know, he was the one really outstanding player the Jets had on defense, especially with C.J. Mosley sitting out the year for COVID. So, yeah, absolutely makes a huge difference. Um, but he didn't want to be here. I mean, the, the Jets are not in a position to win anytime soon. The, the Jets have a problem winning um, probably the next, for the next two years. They just don't have any talent on the team. And he, he was unhappy because of that. And so, you know, that wasn't going to change. He wasn't going to change. And so he didn't want to be here. He wasn't happy being here. He had to go. I mean, the, the, the bottom line, he was just being a, 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 too much of a pain in the butt for the Jets to keep him. So I think the Jets fans were really happy with the package that we ended up getting. It was a, a bigger package than we thought we'd be able to get. So in the end, probably both teams are better off for the, for the trade, although I don't know how Seattle Seahawks fans feel about it. Well, I would say that there has been some criticism from Seahawks fans just based on some of the coverage issues that maybe you know they thought that, that he would be better in the passing game. But for me, I always look at it like those two picks, those two first round picks, they aren't having any impact for the Seahawks this year. They may not have any impact for the Seahawks in coming years, so we'll have to see what the Jets end up doing with those particular picks, if it would have made any difference. And part of it is, too, McGregor, is that Jamal had you know four weeks where he was out of the lineup dealing with a groin injury. And those aren't things that you can really control. And even with being out those four weeks, he has seven and a half sacks on the season and you know four weeks left to break the record of eight by a defensive back. So it's, I feel like with, Going into the season where the Seahawks were not having a pass rush, it continues to make sense to me that it was the move to make. And now with you bringing in a guy like Carlos Dunlap as well, it actually has given the Seahawks defense a pass rush. And it's been a big part of why they've been able to turn it around from how they were performing defensively early on in the season. Yeah, I think that's an outstanding analysis right there. I think it's uh you know, the, the two teams are in very different positions. This is the time to win for the Seahawks, I think. Russell Wilson is in his prime. He won't be there forever. It's a win-now team. And the Jets are the farthest thing you can be from a win-now team. So the, the Jets getting the future assets, the, the, the Seahawks getting the current asset. I think it works for both teams. Well, one of the things that the Jets did in the offseason is that they made some moves to try and protect Sam Darnold. They went out and got Mekhi Becton in the first round. They, they picked up George Fant as a free agent even before the draft. And he's moved over to right tackle. I'm, I'm curious of, of what your analysis has been of George Fant this season. George Fant has been a bit of a pleasant surprise, I think. I, no one's going to talk, talk to uh, about him in Pro Bowl terms or anything like that. But 
he's been solid. He's been okay. He's been, you know, he holds down that side of the line and, and, and it's not a huge problem. And I think people came in with, to this signing and thought, well, you know, this guy can't even start for the Seahawks offensive line. And, you know, no offense, but I think one of the biggest problems for the Seahawks over the years has been the offensive line. And I think that's, they have not protected Russell Wilson very well. Um, yeah, he think, couldn't beat out Jermaine Effetti, who ended up going to play for the Bears on a minimum contract, uh, and they moved him from tackle to guard. So I think I, I think there was there was some uh, skepticism there for sure that yeah, how could he be worth the, this particular contract? Yeah, the contract seemed completely over the top, and yet you know from the Jets fan perspective, he's earned it. He has not been spectacular, but he for that price, he's actually performed at that price level, which. Is a bit of a shock to Jets fans. If there was one contract Jets fans thought over the offseason, this is not going to work. That was the one. And, and he's, he's been okay. Oh, well, that's good to hear because Brandon Shell has been a revelation for the, the Seahawks offensive line as well. And coming from the Jets, you know, there I think there was uh, not a lot of hope that I, I think there was just the hope that he would be Jermaine Effetti, uh, who was the right tackle for the last four years, that he would be kind of to that level, but without the penalties that Effetti constantly gave up. And, you know, honestly, he's been one of the best right tackles that I can remember just even in the Pete Carroll era and maybe even going back longer just because the Seahawks haven't had a, a very good history when it comes to right tackle. And Shell's been outstanding this year. That's really good to hear because he, he was struggling with the Jets. So it's good he's, he's found his position and he's found a team that he can really he can perform well with because it wasn't working here. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the guys that they are protecting. Uh, Sam Darnold, you've mentioned that you know Jets fans may be ready to move on, but he had two touchdown passes last week, and that, that moved his... That was a big jump. He had had three touchdown passes for the entire year, and then he gets two against the Raiders. <laughs> when, when two touchdown passes is a you know big jump and you know moves the needle by 66% for your yearly totals, you know you're having a bad year. <laughs> this has been an atrocious year for Darnold. Yeah, well, I know, and I, I see people talking about, oh, well, well, this was Darnold's best game, but you know, well, he still had an interception, and I think he fumbled it twice. So, I mean, that, I guess that is bad if that's your best game. Yes, that, when that's your best game of the year, you, this is a bad year. <laughs> he only turned it over three times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's been a, a really terrible year for Darnold. It's just time to move on. Is it an issue? You said it was partially an issue with the, the guys that he's thrown to or has been at this point of the season. How has the protection been for him then? You know, in the beginning of the year, protection was not good. The, the offensive line was almost completely brand new. Guys had never worked together before. And with no training camp to speak of, you could kind of foresee that there was going to be a problem with that line jailing to start the season. And in fact, that's the case. He had no protection in the beginning. So that everything sort of conspired to to make Sam Darnold, you know, to struggle in the beginning of the year. But the line has actually come together and played reasonably well. I'm not saying they're one of the best lines in the league by any stretch, but they played reasonably well for the past three to four games. Um, and you can see it in the results. Last three to four games, the Jets have had, you know, offensive production like they haven't had all year. So, and the three top receivers are all back. They were all hurt in the beginning of the year. So, you know, it's all come together. And for Darnold to still struggle like he did, you know, last week when he really has all the elements in place now to, you know, I'm not saying great, but maybe sort of averages slightly below average for the league at this point for the, for your receivers in your line. At that point, the, the, the quarterback just starts to show his true colors and his true colors just didn't look very good. So if they don't have to worry about the passing game so much, how about the running game for the Jets? You know, the Jets have all their running backs hurt or traded away at this point or cut. 
Um, so they're starting two guys, Ty Johnson and, and Josh Adams, who were, you know, Ty Johnson was a, was a cut from the Detroit Lions. Uh, Josh Adams was a practice squad player. Um, and those are their two Jets running backs right now. They had a real good game last week against the Raiders, but I don't hold out much hope that that's an indication for the future. I think these guys were bottom of the barrel for a reason. I think, you know, look, if you have an offensive line that's blowing big holes open, they're going to get the job done. But just I just don't think that there's they're much of a threat for any real any really good defense I, I feel like the run to the left behind Makai Becton can only work for so many times before the defense should figure that out but uh, maybe the Raiders defense didn't figure that out last week yeah it's, it's something the Jets haven't done a lot of actually which is surprising and Becton is just such a mountain of a man that he just pushes people out of the way and just plows through and you would think that um, the Jets would have you know, recognize that earlier in the year and run to the left all the time, but they didn't do that. And they did that against the Raiders and it worked well, but eventually you're going to key on back to the in double or triple team until you get enough players there that you can stop that play. So we'll see how long that lasts, but it really worked well last week. So no Frank Gore this week? No, Frank Gore is out for this week. I just think, um, I don't know how much he's going to play the rest of the way. It's time to play the, play the young guys, I think. But yeah, he won't be playing this week. All right. Well, you know what? We've seen enough Frank Gore over the years in Seattle that, uh, you know, we're not going to miss a week. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that guy, though. Just respect the fact that the, the time that he's put in the league and then he's still going. It's uh, it's cool to see. So it's extraordinary. Yeah, it, it is amazing for a running back to be. And I mean, guess. Adrian Peterson also still in the league too. I mean, it's you got those two guys that seem to be playing forever. It's amazing. I, I, you don't see that in running back, so it's it, I don't I don't know what to what to attribute it to, but those guys, two guys are incredible. Yeah. Well, Curtis Martin did it for a long time in New York too, so maybe you guys That's got right. something going there. So right, right, right. McGregor Wells of Gangrene Nation. McGregor, uh, it sounds like you know I I throw out uh, you know a question about the prediction, but I, I feel like I've I've gotten a pretty good sense from you that you do not think that this Sunday is going to go well for the Jets. It's a terrible matchup for the Jets. I mean, th there are some matchups that, that can work. If your quarterback isn't all that good and your receivers aren't all that good and you're relying on your running game, the Jets can stick with you then. This this is not that game. Unless, you unless guys the, needed to face Colt McCoy last week. That would have been the matchup. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Football is a game of matchups, and this is a terrible matchup for the Jets. I can't see the Jets winning this one. McGregor, really want to thank you for coming back on the show and helping break down this game. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Once again, a big thanks to McGregor Wells from Gangrene Nation coming on, breaking down this upcoming game against the New York Jets. And looking at the injury report for the Seahawks, it looks like they have a few players who may not be ready to go in this game. Five players sitting out with injury both Wednesday and Thursday. Those guys include running back Travis Homer, defensive end Carlos Dunlap, and two players on the offensive line, Jamarco Jones, as well as Cedric Abwehi. Safety Ryan Neal also sitting out with a hip injury both days. The good news, Brandon Shell has been a limited participant in practice both days. So with both Jamarco Jones and Cedric Abwehi potentially out, it'll be really important to get Brandon Shell back in the lineup. And you know he's going to be motivated to go up against his former team. So we will be watching that in the injury report coming up on Saturday. I will be doing a pick show with Anthony Knockreiner, and as part of that, I will be looking at the game status of each player going in to Sunday's game. So look for that. Also, look for some really nice work up at fieldgoals.com this week. After Jordan Brooks' game against the Giants, Tyler Alson took a look at Brooks versus Patrick Queen. Queen taking one pick after him, so Tyler taking a look at just what these two linebackers have been doing this season. And so you're going to want to check that out. Also, John Morgan 
and his look at Russell Wilson and the Let Russ Cook offense. A lot of conversation happening around that article and some good news from Alistair Corp as Russell Wilson nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. That's all up at fieldgoals.com. Check it out. Be sure and subscribe to this podcast, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. Get it in your feed each and every week. And I'll be back with Anthony Knockreiner doing our week 14 picks coming up. Stay tuned for that. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.